Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Happy Tuesday, as happy as it can be under the circumstances. Uh, Michelle Smallman, good morning. Is it a good morning? Mm, yeah, Goldie. Mm, I don't even know if a, a Paul Goldschmidt bout of heroics can make us feel good this morning. You wouldn't think so. We get a lot of texts before the show even starts. Got one, oh, an hour ago. And it said, hey, Randy, your cookie cake and cadre bounty worked well. Keep up the good work, hat. Ass hat. Yeah, so people are... People are thinking of us early, which is good. We like that. I love that someone woke up this morning, and probably before their feet even hit the ground, Mm -hmm. before they even poured their cup of joe, they grabbed that mobile device, they texted us at 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line, and they wanted to call Randy Carricker an asshat. Yeah. Good morning, St. Louis. Also from the 314, this is the cost we have to pay for the Arenado trade. This is it? Karma? No. Absolutely. No, absolutely not. Bad juju? Matthew Rocchio? Stan Kroenke, if anything, we should be the recipients of the good juju because Stan Kroenke owns the avalanche. There is no bad karma created from outsmarting dumb millionaires. That's not that doesn't create bad karma in the universe. That's all the Cardinals did. They outsmarted a dumber, a dumber millionaire than they are okay. by leaps and bounds. There was nothing scurrilous or morally incorrect done there. It's not our fault they are cheap and F- bad. Fair enough. Fair enough. And one other one from the 573, dreading listening to the show today. You guys are great, but I don't want to relive, relive that garbage performance from the Blues last night. Can you just talk about the cards today? Sincerely, a fan who values mental health. I also value mental health, 573. And here's what we're going to do today. I put this on my Instagram story last night when I was leaving Enterprise Center because, yes, I stayed till the end, and that was a mistake. A, because the Blues did not win. B, because I'm very tired today. But I think, Randy, we need to do a feeling circle. We all yes. have our feelings today. Think about all of the texts that we got before the show. Randy, you're an asshat. Anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we please not talk about the blues today? I value my mental health. This is the cost we pay. Bargaining. We've got sadness. We've got anger. We've got bargaining. We need to have a feeling circle. Everybody just needs to let it out. I've got acceptance for you right here. It oh. happens. Well, you have acceptance. See, have I'm acceptance. not there yet. I'm not there yet. I know that it looks bleak. Yeah, I know BK had the numbers on the pre-pregame show yesterday. I think it's about 9% of the time teams, after they lose a home game and go in a 3-1 deficit in the playoffs, come back to win a series. But 9% tells me there's a chance. The Blues could win three games in a row, but not against this team. That... Not when they don't have so many key guys contributing offensively. Not when yep. you have Robert Thomas and Vladimir Tarasenko and we can have the well, entire list of guys who haven't shown up on the score sheet and the manner in which they need to. They have another gear and another component to their game that they haven't reached yet. They need to be better at five on five. They are in control of their destiny. That and Nazem Kadri has got to be eliminated. And I don't mean by an injury. 
Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're not trying to be him, but he is the X factor. He's been hurting the Blues every which way in this series. If you haven't heard already, the Blues did lose 6-3 to Colorado last night. <laughs> we didn't even have to yeah. mention the score. In game four of the uh, <laughs> NHL's Central Division final, at the midpoint of the game, you, Michelle, you lose your goalie and you got to play your backup goalie. You want to develop and execute a plan to protect said goalie. At the midpoint of the game, Colorado had a 4-1 lead and they had outshot the Blues 24 to 6. So they were the Blues had f- six shots, the Avalanche had four goals. So that's not really the plan that you want to execute to protect Villahuso. I don't like those odds. I don't like no. those percentages. That is not the position you want to put Villahuso in. And by the way, is there some that he would like back sure? Is he the reason that they lost the game? No. Let's take you through it. The Blues were outscored 6-1, to 5-on-5, five five, and the Blues actually scored first in this one. Moving to it, Taves turns it over, puts Davis to Perron, he scores! David Perron, eighth goal of the playoffs, and another lead for the Blues. 5-0-7 into the first period, 1-0 St. Louis. And it was 1-0 after a period, but in the second, Four goals in 4.53 by the Avalanche. Eric Johnson, Kadri, and Devin Taves scoring on consecutive Colorado shots. And then Kadri again at 7.37. Blues down 4-1. Went on the power play at the 15.39 mark. To the goal line. Shen centers. Perunovic to Perron. He scores! Great passing and a terrific goal. The Blues back within two. 2.58 to go. Second period. David Perron is second of the game. Four to the score. Colorado still leads. You're welcome, David. You're welcome, St. Louis. You are welcome. The character and Smallman bump, alive and thriving. Real. But unfortunately, we only have David Perron on the show. And Randy, this was kind of our fault. We should have diversified. Or we should have at least added to the roster yeah. of guys that we would have on the show to give the character and Smallman bump to. Because David Perron can't do it himself. No, he can't. 51 seconds after Perron's goal, Eric Johnson took an interference penalty and... Thomas to the goal line. Butchnevich in front to side. They score! They're back in it. 33 seconds to go in the second period. Two power play goals have brought life to the Blues. It's a 4-3 game. They're back within one. But the Blues couldn't get any closer. Kadri with a hat trick. The Avalanche scored an empty netter. And they can wrap it up tomorrow, 7 o'clock, with the action 6 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. <sighs> Not great. Craig Barubia, after the Blues loss, what happened? We got outskated for most of the game, 5-on-5. Five five. Um, lost a lot of puck battles. Yeah, you can't. Well, you're going to get outskated by Colorado, but you can't lose puck battles. That's the thing, is right. you have to have possession of the puck. And Colorado Colorado had possession all night long. And the Blues, as Michelle mentioned, continued a playoff run, not just this series, but a playoff run in which David Perron has pretty much been the guy that scores for the Blues. Um, you know, we need we need a lot more. We need a lot more guys to step up for sure um, in that department, and just you know, if you want to score goals, you got to get to the hard areas, and you got to you know, he's he's in there battling, and you know, he's scoring on the power play, and but we need more. We need more from other guys. And then on the back end, Huso faced 37 shots and allowed five. It's like a lot of like a lot of our guys. We got he's got to be better, 
and um, you know, so he got put in a tough situation, but that's the way it goes. If heading into this series, you, I wish to tell you, Nathan McKinnon would be contained, Rantanen would be contained, McCarr would be contained. You would say, well, then the Blues are advancing, yep. right? If if I would have told you that generally the stars from Colorado would be almost neutralized in this series, you would think the Blues were in a really good position. But the problem is, is the Blues are dealing with the same thing, right. and it's those depth guys from Colorado that have made the Blues pay. They're defensemen that have stepped up and scored goals when it's Manson that that gets you. Kadri. Kadri, who has been, as I mentioned, the X factor in this series for so many reasons. But... You need more from Robert Thomas. You need more from Jordan Cairo. You need more from Barbashev. You need Vladimir Tarasenko to score up. Excuse me. Show up on the score sheet. Show up on the score sheet. That's a lot of S's and a lot of alliteration <laughs> this early in the morning. But you just need more from from the depth players on on the St. Louis Blues. And David Perron would agree with you. And he also thinks they need to be a little bit more zealous. We need more fight in our group. We need more guys, I think, just creating a spark, whatever is required during the game, whether it's uh, to chip it deep and, and go to work, uh, finishing a hit, whatever. Our crowd was great. Once we started coming a little bit in the second, uh, it was amazing, great feeling, uh, kind of a game that you want to play for when you're a kid. Uh, just kind of going through the third, we had a good feeling, but uh, just not nearly good, good enough push either in the third. What more can you say about the effort that we've seen from David Perron? Not only is is he the one that's scoring the goals, but as he mentioned, going out there, fighting for every puck, giving that intensity the entire game. He's the one that's going after Kadri, trying to get a spark out of his teammates. He's been unreal. And Jeremy Rutherford tweeted this last night. I saw him in the press box. JR tweeted, have they ever stopped a game to sign a guy to a contract right. extension? Pay this man. You cannot let David Perron leave your organization. You have absolutely got to make sure that he's a blue. Would you agree with me that he's way more important than Vladimir Tarasenko? I would, from, yes. For, from, for everything that he does, yes, not just on the ice, but off the ice, and everything that he brings to the game, I agree with you. If, if you're going to open up cap space this offseason, you need to do it for David Brown, who's making four million bucks and deserves more money. Not only has he done it in the regular season, he's the one that's stepping up when the the pressure is the highest. He's the one that is always looking for ways to get the best out of his team, his teammates. We talk to him every week, Randy, and we know the little things that he does behind the scenes trying to extract the best out of his teammates or mentor young players. He's incredibly valuable to this organization, and they need to make sure that he's part of the fold moving forward. Meanwhile, down the street from Enterprise Center last night, the Cardinals knocked off Toronto 7-3. to Cards took a lead of one nothing when Brendan Donovan doubled home Nolan Arenado in the second inning. Toronto scoring a run on a George Springer homer in the sixth and two more in the seventh to take a 3-1 lead. But back came the Cardinals. Juan Yepes with a homer. Harrison Bader with an RBI single. It's a 3-3 game headed to the tenth when the Cardinals load the bases for Paul Goldschmidt who had struck out, struck out, struck out and hit into a double play. But before this. The one-two. Goldschmidt hits it out to left, and this will do it. And he does it in grand style. It's a grand slammer. A walk-off grand slam. Goldie, the walk-off grand slam. Last time the Cardinals had a walk-off grand slam was against Toronto. In 2017 by Marp. Shout out to Marp. Yeah. Um, Much better result down the street. 
yeah, you, you take that. And how hot is Paul Goldschmidt? Woo. The hottest. Yeah, you the don't absolute wanna, hottest. Don't want to face him with the bases loaded. $5 Dinger Tuesday. I think we have our pick on FanDuel Sportsbook promo code SMALLS. I would say so. And so the Cardinals were able to come away with that 7-3 victory. And don't look now, but they're only two behind Milwaukee for the division lead. And they're going to pass Milwaukee this weekend. Yeah, so I was going to say, so what you're telling me is that the Cardinals will be in first place in the division by the end of the week. Absolutely. Great. And we did have a Jason Tatum game and win last night. And therefore, we have... A Jason Tatum minute. He had 31 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. He was 8 for 16 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3-point land, 14 of 16 free throws, Michelle. And congratulations to Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. They win 102-82 and even that best of seven series against Miami at two games apiece. From ESPN Stats and Info, the Celtics are 5-0 and following a loss this postseason. In those five games following a loss where they win, Jason Tatum is driving the offense, averaging 32.6 points. It's the most in a single postseason in Celtics history. So Jason Tatum is their version of Jordan Bennington Basically. coming off of a loss. Basically, he is not going to have it. After a loss, he's the one that rallies the troops. And they're tied 2-2. And we have basketball for you tonight. Mavs and Warriors game four here on 101 ESPN pregame at 7.30. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Hey, we want to hear from you about the Blues. And we know there's angst. We know there's anger. We know there's sadness. As a matter of fact, Michelle was talking about the five degrees. Is it the five degrees? of Not five degrees. Uh, no, the, the five uh, de- wait. What is it called? Stages. So five stages, stages of yeah, grief. Of grief. There we I go. I can't. My brain is not functioning. Today. I get this it. is going I to be it. a loose show. I'm apologi- <laughs> apologizing in advance, but yeah, it's a feeling. It's time for feeling circle. If I you, missed a sounder. It's going to be bad. <laughs> if you'd like to leave us a Rhino Shield mic drop, you can with the 101 ESPN app. Of course, you can always use the text line 65780 brought to you by Air Comfort Services. And you and your reaction to the Blues 6-3 loss and the fact that they're in a 3-1 hole in the series against Colorado next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. There we go. Let's get into that feeling circle. Michelle, I have reached in the five stages of grief acceptance. And I thought that last night as I was walking out, and I didn't stick around. It was 4-1 and I got the hell out of there. Smart move. Thank That's you. why you're a veteran and I'm clearly a noob here. Because I, I thought they were going to win. I, I was feeling around. like when it got to 4-3 and I heard Chris Kerber making those calls that they were coming back. So I, I almost messed up. But then I, <laughs> if they would have won, it would have been on me too, right? True. But here's my point, and it's a point that was initially made by our friend Mike McKenna, and he's exactly right. Jordan Bennington is kind of the identity of this team. He's kind of the heart and soul back there from a competitive standpoint. You lose him, and it's not just losing your goaltender. It's losing a lot of what you are competitively and in terms of heart and soul. And when you lose that, I don't think you can reasonably expect to beat a team like Colorado. I've... I will believe until the day I die, probably, that the Blues would have won this series had Jordan Bennington been healthy. But he's not. So I don't think they're going to win. As a matter of fact, I don't think that uh, we're going to see them again. I think the last last you saw of the uh, Enterprise Center ice last night was the last we'll see of that ice for the Blues this year. So you're calling it now? Yeah, acceptance. I'm with you because Ryan O'Reilly did, in fact, call Jordan Bennington the heart and soul of the Mm -hmm. team after the game on Saturday. It's a really tough blow. We saw the way that the Blues responded in that game. The wind was absolutely taken out of their sails. And Jordan Bennington, 
provided a certain level of energy and confidence and intensity to this team. And without him there, it's hard to manufacture that again. And even though Billy Huso has been so great throughout the regular season, when you have a guy in between the pipes that is not only that hot, but has won a Stanley Cup for you, it gives you a certain level of contentment and mm-hmm. just... You don't have to worry about Comfort. it. Comfort. Thank you. That's the word we're looking for this morning. Comfort. And I'm with you. So you're at acceptance, Randy. I am still firmly, and I mean firmly planted in anger. I hate that I'm driving into work this morning and I'm listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max talk about the game and say That's that... That's your first mistake right there. <laughs> and saying that despite getting racist threats and death threats, Nazem Kadri was able to overcome all of that and an unbelievable effort to propel the Colorado Avalanche to a deciding and commanding 3-1 lead in this series. I hate that the narrative is now that this guy is overcoming something and the sympathy is for him rather than the storyline being, and by the way, people that said horrible things to him or threatened him in any way, you're disgusting and there's no place for that. But the storyline should be notoriously dirty player strikes again, takes out hottest player in this series and has consequences for it. And that's not what's happening. No. And if it was just that he took out Bennington and we could be angry and leave it at that, it'd be one thing. The fact that he is absolutely tearing up the Blues and scoring goal after goal and fighting with players and extracting that emotion out of them. I can't stand this guy. I'm so angry and that's that, who he, he is. that he's getting the best of them yeah. and therefore us. That's the thing. If you don't like it, play better. True, but he is the singular X factor. He is, and we said that before the series started, that he's the guy that you have to ignore. You hate, And last night, unfortunately, for the Blues, I mean, he, he's a hard hitter. Aside from the cheap shots, he, he hits hard, and that's why both Perron and Butchnevich went after him. And he gets under your skin, and that's how he wins. And, and he, he has won here, so give, give him his due. And by the way, let's start with this. Don't listen to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max to talk hockey. Well, it was just in the Sports Center update. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally one <laughs> sentence in a Sports okay. Center update. But they say, despite receiving racist threats and death threats after a collision in Game 3 in St. Louis, Nazem Kadri was able to overcome with a hat trick last so it's night. it's like some heroic thing. Correct. Yeah. I'm like, do we know this guy? And again... I understand that that's despicable that he dealt with that. By the way, I've been looking online and trying to see these. I wish that they mm-hmm. would release the names or the Twitter handles of, of the people that said mm-hmm. things so that they could be held accountable because I can't really find much. Yeah. But, and I'm not suggesting that it didn't happen, by the way, because I'm sure he's dealing with it in his DMs and all sorts of places. But it's just a real shame that there had to be some terrible people to say those things to him and therefore shift the narrative of what really should have been the yeah. focus in this instance. And it's instance. remarkable how the legit national hockey media kind of forgets his history. It's like what happened has never happened before. It's not, People are mad at Craig Berube for bringing up his reputation like that isn't earned. Well, when he says it after the game, too, after the effort he had last night, Mm -hmm. I was angry about that, too, because he's right. There's nothing that you can say to him. There's nothing that we can do but say, you know what? You're right. He he gave you bulletin board material because you beat the Blues last night. You did it. Yep. All right. We want to hear from you, folks. Hashtag sad. From the 314. 
I have never been more disappointed in the Blues. One of the biggest games in their history, and they just threw in the towel. I feel bad for Chief, for Army, for Tom Stillman. They have major problems that still need to be resolved. That's from MMR and West County. I have been more disappointed in the Blues in the past. When? When they didn't make the playoffs a few years ago, that was kind of disappointing. Sure. When they had the won the President's Trophy and got knocked out by San Jose in the first round. Pretty bad. That kind of bothered me a little bit. Uh, when they didn't keep Wayne Gretzky after 1996, that kind of bothered me a little bit. So, yeah, there were some times that they were, they frustrated me. But this is on the list. Yeah, it is. From Fired si- Joel, Joel Quenville. Yeah, that's a brutal too. Yeah. From the 636... My feeling is optimism. Maybe it's just the optimist in me, but I'm not convinced the series is over. The Blues played horribly last night and beat themselves. They played better on the road lately, so maybe they take game five and start making it interesting again. That'd be nice. It'd be nice for Tom Stillman to get another day of gate revenue. Yeah, but you you are at acceptance. Yeah, I am. That's 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 my optimism there is coping mechanism yeah another another day of gay revenue for tom stillman that'd be wonderful oh man so you think even if it comes back it's done yeah it is done that's see though that's that's a tangible thing that does matter that's like especially when you think about the fact that like you know they're you know the fact that they got this far in the playoffs means that bozak gets a bonus that eats into their cap next year like there are little things on the margin with this franchise that listen it sounds dumb but it's part of it it's real from the 314, anger. I'm keeping a water bottle by my desk today to chuck at my Avs fan co-worker. There you go. That's got to be frustrating to have an Avs fan co-worker. I was leaving Enterprise Center chatting with some people, and they said that there was a massive opportunity miss because there should have been Jordan Bennington branded empty water bottles that people could buy. Oh, that would have been great. And yeah. throw out onto the ice. Now, we shouldn't throw things on the ice, but... Yeah, hats just, last night. Yeah, just buying an empty water bottle mm-hmm. with Bennington's likeness on it would have been fun yep hey we're gonna take mic drops throughout the morning but let's start with one from carl w go back and watch the first game of the 2019 playoff series against san jose when the st louis blues lost the game but they absolutely demolished the sharks so physically so much that they won the series in five games that right there in a nutshell is why the blues are not winning and are gonna exit the series shortly against colorado Different team, only 11 players left from that 2019 team that plays, this team plays a completely different style of hockey than that team did. It really does. And some guys from that team were stepping up. David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, Jordan Bennington when he was available. Mm -hmm. The DNA is still very strong in a lot of those veteran players. But unfortunately, you need a collective effort. And there's some other guys that need to step up. Yeah. And it's just, it's not happening on a consistent basis. And so, hey, that's... It's part of hockey. Only one team is going to win. Pat Maroon last night came through again for Tampa, and they vanquished the President's Trophy winners, the Florida Panthers. So the Blues aren't the only team that's going to get knocked out here. There's going to be 15 playoff teams that get knocked out. Randy, I don't want to just give up just yet. I know that you're at acceptance. I know the odds are so incredibly slim. I know the chance of the Blues beating the Avalanche three times in a row, including twice in their building. Slim to none. But there's still a chance. It's still the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's still the randomness and the weirdness of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It could happen. Hey, it's not like I won't be buying the cookie cake tomorrow for the road game at Schnooks. I'm going to go to Schnooks and I'm going to get the cookie cake. I'm not I'm not losing my wish. I'm just losing I'm dealing with reality, I guess. It's my problem. But your will is gone. I feel it. Yeah, it is. 
But you know what? There's other people like me out there. John joins us now with a mic drop. on Come on, St. Louis. What's this lying around crap? (laughs) This thing's not over. It's not over till we say it's over. Let's get back in this game and let's start fighting. Let's fight like we're the third monkey trying to get on Noah's Ark. And it's starting to rain. Let's go. That fired me up. Be that third monkey. That's absolutely right. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't uh... Come on, Randy. John didn't fire you up? Not really. It's raining. It's Noah's Ark. It's Darwinism. Get on the Ark or be extinct. The Blues need to be the third monkey. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I think the Blues are going to drown. Oh, boy. Can we get him a life raft or something? Life jacket, something. Yeah. 57's been the life jacket. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, sad but true. And we appreciate you being a part of this this trust circle. And uh, we're actually going to hear more from you throughout the course of this show here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, though, happier news. The Cardinals are at the quarter pole, and they're a playoff team. That's next on 101 ESPN. (laughs) We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The one-two. Goldschmidt hits it out to left, and this will do it. And he does it in grand style. It's a grand slammer. A walk-off grand slam. Goldie, the walk-off grand slam. The Cardinals taking the opener of their two-game series against Toronto last night at the ballpark. With that 7-3 win, Danny Mack the call on Bally Sports. By the way, the fast lane trying to channel their inner Goldie. They're set to square off once again with the Riz Show from 105.7 The Point at this year's Softball Home Run Derby, hosted by the O'Fallon Hoots on Saturday, June 4th at Car Shield Field in O'Fallon Mo, and brought to you by Mattress Direct. There's going to be fast put- pitch home run derby that uh, will feature Rick Ankeel, Ray Langford, Daniel Descalso, and Raphael for Call general admission tickets on sale now for just 15 bucks. Get all the details on this year's O'Fallon Hoots Home Run Derby now at 101ESPN.com. Before the season started, Michelle and I gave our award winners for the 2022 Cardinals. And now that we're at the quarter poll, Michelle, we thought it would be a good idea to revisit those award winners. Yeah, we made some bold predictions and... Um... Some of them were great. Some of them, at this point in the season, not so yeah, much. We've, we've both got a couple where we're kind of scuffling. Yeah. Should we run through these, Randy? Yeah, MVP. I, oh, this, <laughs> I thought the MVP of the Cardinals in the 2022 season was going to be one Tyler O'Neill. He's not even hitting 200. He's on the IL. Yeah. That, shoulder impingement. Maybe he's not hitting 200 because he's got the shoulder impingement. You just wait till he gets healthy. This one oh, could yeah. still pay dividends for me. But so far, it's a miss. And I'm pretty happy with my selection of Paul Goldschmidt as the Cardinals MVP. I think Goldie knew we were going to do this mm-hmm. segment today. And he made sure to really give you an exclamation point to really solidify your pick there, Randy. Appreciate that, Goldie. Yeah, you got it. All right. Pitcher other than Wayno to show out for the Cardinals. I thought it was going to be Dakota Hudson. And I thought that was a good choice. 
I thought it was going to be Jack Flaherty, and I thought by now he would have been pitching for about 10 days. Now it looks like uh, we probably won't see him until after the All-Star break. So let's circle back really quickly. MVP so far. I picked O'Neal, you picked Goldie. Mm-hmm. Who do we think it actually is? I, I would say Goldie. I would say Goldie. I would also give a nod to Tommy Edmond. You have to, yes. Who's been just so versatile and effective for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so other than Wayno, I said Hudson, you said Flaherty. I think we can both agree it's been Miles Michael. It's Michaelis. Michaelis, It's right. Miles Michaelis, without a doubt. Yeah, and we're only a quarter of the way through the season, and we're over here, uh, <laughs> almost over. Okay, Twitter target. We have to explain the Twitter target. So the Twitter target is what the BFIB, or I don't even want to mention the other Twitter handle mm-hmm. that people tend oh, yeah. to point to that St. Louis fans best, are... Best fans in St. Louis. Yeah. It's awful, awful. It's a bad representation of who we are. It's the worst of us. But those are the people that are tweeting at certain Mm -hmm. people. No matter what they do, they're always going to receive a certain amount of ire from the BFIB. So I thought it was going to be Tommy Edmond because of what we saw in spring training from Tommy Edmond. I thought that he might not produce offensively and that Cardinals fans would be demanding that there be some sort of change made and they would want Nolan Gorman to come in. And, and I was kind of right. Yeah, I would say so. But now, Tommy Edmond has been great. I was going with Harrison Bader. Uh, you have already the inherent golden locks that people are furious with because they're jealous of that hair. People are jealous of the swag. Yep. And Harrison this year, 246, playing a great center field, playing a lot. Four homers, 15 RBIs, a 667 OPS. He's still a target, though, because he's not perfect. No. Harrison Bader could be perfect, and I think he would still always be a target. Mm-hmm. There's I'm always going to be some faction of Cardinal fans that don't appreciate him, which is a shame because he's such an electric talent and so fun to watch, and he loves St. Louis, and he loves the fans, yeah. and he's a guy that is a really good teammate and wants to be the best he can be. I'm just, I'm always surprised at the hate that he gets online. Yeah, if you are a Cardinal fan, then you should appreciate Harrison Bader because he likes you. All right, the My Bad Award before the season started, which was, okay, I didn't give you enough credit. My bad. Yeah, our bad. So this one was interesting for me because it wasn't necessarily you and I that I thought would Mm be my bad, but just a collective us. But I thought it was going to be Adam Wainwright, even though Uncle Charlie was great last season. We're always going to point to his age and we're always going to wonder when he's going to fall off a cliff. And for a couple seasons now, we've had to be like, our bad. We shouldn't even Mm -hmm. bring it up. It's not even a conversation point because your performance has been so outstanding and commanding that we don't need to talk about your age. And so far, our bad. Yeah. And I assumed before the season started, Michelle, that the Cardinals would have to deal with injuries in their starting rotation. And it looks like that's the case now. Steven Matz is on the shelf and various and sundry other injuries have occurred during the course of the first quarter of the season. But my my bad was going to be, and still is, Miles Michaelis. He was terrific again last night, and I feel bad about questioning Miles Michaelis because he right now is three and two with an earned run average of one point nine six. So Miles, my bad. I'm with you. We need to all say our bad to Miles Michaelis. So you were correct, Randy. Mm-hmm. Good pick there. Okay, and then our devil magic choices. Well, Lars <laughs> Newbar is back. I selected Lars Newbar because we saw him at times last season come up and have a little bit of that devil magic in him. He's a guy that I thought if he got enough at bats and enough runway could really be spectacular, especially down the stretch. And not so much, but he did have three home runs and three at-bats two days ago. He changed his bat up, and so 
I'm not giving up hope that Lars Newbar could be the devil magic guy later in the season. And by those way, those three home runs and three at-bats were for Memphis. Yeah, for Memphis. No, that's an important <laughs> distinction. It was, in fact, for Memphis. But I'm just saying, if he's getting hot at the right time, we could see him come up later in the season. My devil magic guy is hitting 192, was signed to be a power hitter, has no home runs, nine RBIs, and an OPS of 478. My devil magic guy was Corey Dickerson, who's the guy that shows up when you're winning and in the playoffs, and you say... Oh, I remember him. Yeah, I thought he was out of baseball. And he's producing for the Cardinals. Right. Well, I think by the time the playoffs get here, the people that thought he was out of baseball might be right. So, over. I'm not looking good on the devil magic. And by the way, if one of us would have picked Juan Yapez to come up, if one of us would have picked Brendan Donovan to come up, we would have looked pretty good, but they weren't even here. I know. Juan Yapez definitely providing some devil magic. But isn't this is why sports is great? Is because you can look at all of the trends and make an educated guess on what you think is mm-hmm. going to happen. And then somebody like Juan Yapez is going to come in and, and surprise you. Yeah, it's great. And we'll revisit this, by the way, at the 81 game mark. Matthew? So if you guys had to pick one of those two players to continue the devil magic into the maybe the halfway mark, are you are you rolling with Donovan or Yapez? I'm not picking either. I'm going to pick Nolan Gorman. Does he get oh, devil magic, though, because he's such a highly prospect? Yeah, yeah that's a, that's, you see, that's a thing. But see, I always think, yeah, you're right. He's, he is such a highly touted prospect. He doesn't get devil magic. But I always think of it outside of St. Louis, what other fan bases would say. Like, of course, it's some guy that we weren't aware of when the season mm-hmm. started that comes up and does something. Yeah, and with Yepez, he kind of took a while to get going after they made the trade. From Atlanta, traded Matt Adams for him. But Brendan Donovan, here you've got a 25-year-old infielder who's just kind of bounced around the minors, and he's hitting 340. So you could go with either one of those. Matthew, to your point, though, if I were to answer the question, I think Yepes is going to get more of an opportunity to be the devil magic guy. He'll get a few more at-bats, I would guess. And after I found out that he is Albert Pujols' shadow and is bugging mm-hmm. him day in and day out, trying to absorb as much information and greatness as he can, that's going to be a big deal. I love that attitude, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see him continue to be great. That's Michelle. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, because we've got to take it or leave it on the way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it. Or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We do appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy, great to have you with us for Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, take it or leave it, Paul Goldschmidt winds up leading the Cardinals in home runs. I'm taking it. I am too. Even though Arenado got off to that incredible start, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Goldie here. Not only is Goldie so hot right now, we know as it continues to get warm, so does he. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a monster summer. Take it or leave it, Randy. Next game, instead of Ville Husso, you go with Chucky Sideburns, Charlie Lindgren. I'm going to take it, yeah. Last night, Chief said, hey, he's got to be better. Well, 
Charlie Lindgren, I don't know if he noticed, uh, Chief, but Charlie Lindgren had a 1.22 goals against for him and a 9.58 save percentage. Why not go with the guy that uh, put up the numbers? Chucky Sideburns magic? I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Might as well try it. Yeah. I wonder how many teams have won the Stanley Cup using three goalies. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a movie, though? It has to be the third goalie that comes in mm-hmm. with sideburns like that, with flow like that. It'd be great. He provides the spark. Yeah. Stands on his head. Yep. That Trying to be positive here. Yeah, I like your positivity. Sideburns, the Charlie Lindgren story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be a movie. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, look how long it took Kurt Warner to get his movie made. But in fairness, we did interview him about that, and he had many scripts presented to him over mm-hmm. the years, and he didn't feel like it accurately depicted the story that he wanted to tell, probably because it had more football in it. True. I wonder what the Charlie Lindgren story is going to be. Like, what's the background? we got to find out what the background is going to be on him. It's going to be the fact that he gets called up in the playoffs mm-hmm. and goes on to win a Stanley Cup for the Blues. Okay. I mean, the opening shot's pretty simple. You just zoom in on him, him in the barbershop just getting those side oh, yeah. lined up. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the opening shot. It's pretty clear. There's some magic then, in those it, follicles. And then you hit it big with some, like, <laughs> 70s, like, big letters. Chucky Sideburns. <laughs> I would love that. 636, speaking of that Cardinals leader, take it or leave it, the Cardinals won't have a play- player hit 30 home runs this year. I'm going to leave that. Because it's going to be Goldie? Yep. I'll leave it, too. I'm with you. Yeah. I think Arnott will do, too. Yeah, I agree. O'Neal? <laughs> oh. Did last year. Still sore spot. 636, take it or leave it. Chucky Sideburns' Binner's back up next season. Take it. Take it, for sure. He's a free agent also, but I believe that the Blues will bring him back. Get him for a little bit better contract. 618, take it or leave it. Gorman, Yepes, or Donovan will win Rookie of the Year. Ooh, I like this. Um, We're going all in. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it just for fun. Let's see. I need to look at other candidates. I'm going to leave it just because I'll take the field. Okay. 314 is going all in. Take it or leave it. Both of the Blues' current goalies are not in St. Louis next season. Wait, as in Jordan Bennington? He says who's both of under Louis, contract? He says both of St. Louis' goalies. And who, before he got injured, was magnificent in the playoffs? That guy we don't think is going to be here next year? All of a sudden, it's a tra- can you, all of a sudden, can you trade here. that contract, Randy? I don't know. Good playoff run? Take advantage of it? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying maybe the Listen, listeners... Listen, I know we're a little delusional today. They're trying to big game this, maybe. I know we're a little delusional today. I can barely get words out. I'm really tired and bummed out. And I know you guys are, too. But let's not be ridiculous. Jordan Bennington is going to be here next season. 100%. He is. Take it or leave it. If Perron lands... By the way, uh, Seiya Suzuki is going to be the rookie of the year. There you go. Thank you. Whenever we get those and I don't have any context around me, it's hard. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's hit, he's hitting the ball pretty well. Take it or leave it. If Perron landed the elbow after Kadri's second goal, we'd be less upset about losing this series. Leave it. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it too. Nothing really gets over a series loss like the way it's kind of breaking this way. Because it doesn't really matter what you do to him physically. If they advance, they win. He wins. Mm-hmm. His mission was accomplished. Take it or leave it. The lack of playoff success spells an end for Tarasenko in St. Louis, and he is traded in the offseason. That I might take. Yeah, I'll take that too. Do you do you take the the first part that it's it's contingent on him not having a good playoff? It's no, a I contributing think, factor, I bet. I, I would think that 
they would be if they don't win it with him, and he's not a big part of them winning. They'd be more inclined to move him, but they want to clear cap space, and they have to re-sign Perron. They've got some other free agent issues, Nick Letty being one of those. And ultimately, they do want to be in those Matthew Kachuk sweepstakes, whether it's this year or next. That's what I was thinking, too. You're you're not going to let David Perron walk. You'd be foolish, too, in my yeah. opinion. And if you ultimately have Matthew Kachuk circled on the board, you, you can't have both. And with Vladimir Tarasenko not being the guy that you've expected him to be in the playoffs, and even though he was great during the regular season, this is a guy that did one out at one point. And by the way, Kadri is a free agent, so we don't know where he's going to be. But if you want a counter to Nazem Kadri, Matthew Kachuk is your guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. Where do you think he'll he'll end up? Kadri? Yeah. I don't know. See, here's the thing. The Flames probably, I mean, if they have this much success here, they're probably not going to trade Kachuk next year. Might be two years things down the road. So here's the thing. You He's do, a, free, a UFA after next season. Exactly. Okay, a UFA after next season. My bad. So here's the thing. You let David Perron walk because every time David Perron goes to a team for a year, he comes back to the Blues <laughs> even better. So then you get Matthew Kachuk and, and then another leveled up David Perron two years from now. That's when you make the run. That's not a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> no. I'm a little loopy. I, th- I think he's good enough as is. I don't think we need to let him leave and find another level. I think he's found it. Take it or leave it. Robert Thomas is the most disappointing player in these playoffs, not Tarasenko. Take it. I'm going to leave that because Tarasenko, you can find a way to score goals. It's You need some help if you're going to be an assist guy. Now, yes, I wish that Thomas would have shot more, but I didn't expect him to step up big with a hat trick type game. I expected him to be more productive, but I expected Vladdy to win a game like he did against Minnesota. You can make the argument for either one of them. Both yeah, of them need absolutely. to be better. Yeah, yeah, and we're still, Thomas still, here in this series, here you are four games in, your leading goal scorer, Tarasenko, doesn't have a goal, and your leading assist man, Thomas, doesn't have an assist. Not going to so, win like that. No. I've never been the uh, the guy who streams at the TV or in the stands to you know, shoot. But Robert Thomas has done his darndest to turn me into one of those players during this playoff series. It's been, it's been yeah. so frustrating. Take it or leave it. The seri- this series illustrates the need for the enforcer role in the NHL. I'll take that. Without a doubt, take it. But you need to change the rules. If you're going to bring the enforcer back, you need to change the rules and allow fighters to fight. I know we're concerned about health and safety, but... There are certain instances where an enforcer is, in fact, needed. And we Mm -hmm. saw it on full display in this series. Take it or leave it. If Bennington is in net last night, the Blues win 3-2. Yeah, I'll take that. You know, I want to take it badly, but I also don't know how you overcome the Blues' depth not showing up. I I believe that... That it's a different energy and a different vibe. Well, yeah, And, and if it's the exact same game... There's three of those goals that Huso let in that probably, at least three, that Bennington, I, I do believe, handles. Take it or leave, the 2022 Colorado Avalanche are the best team in the NHL since the 2011 Bruins. No, I'm going to leave In the that. last decade? Wait, Tampa Bay There's a lightning yeah. team that just won back-to-back. Yeah, and the year before that had like the best regular season in the history of the league. Yeah, so... Emphatically leave it. I'm going to yeah. have to leave that one. I'm sorry. And take it or leave it. Only 90 and 57 will, and 57 will show up again next game. Leave it. I think everybody breaks out at once. And the, Blues, right. and the Blues win. Make it interesting. 
That was a nice little burst of energy and I'm really trying, Michelle. guys. Was, you guys, I'm... You really yeah. dug... That took you, a lot from me. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie. That took a lot from me to try to do that there right there. There was a noticeable drain of energy <sighs> after you gave that take and dropped your shoulders. Oof. I'm trying. I'm not even sure those guys show up. It might be a massacre. Excuse oh, no. me? Oh, no, Randy. Huh. Oh, no. Excuse me. Randall. You don't think 57 shows up? You don't think 57 makes an impact? Le bump. It's science. I wish it were science. It's science. But sometimes when you're down 3-1 in a series and you say, you know what, I'm ready for golf. That guy's not ready for golf. You see him tackling Kadri last night, giving every possible ounce of himself to that game to try and carry the Blues to victory and provide a spark for his team. That guy's not ready. Everybody else might be worrying about their game, thinking about going to Family Golf and Learning Center, hitting those TrackMan Mm -hmm. simulators. Get, shaking the rust off. Fifty-seven is not. Ninety is not. I'm not. I, I, I'm not saying that uh, they are not infallible. They, the, the, that's a, my thing. Is that I think it's probably a natural human reaction when you lose your goalie and you're on the road against a team that was what thirty-two five and whatever at home. I think it's it's probably easy to say, "Oh, woe is me." Or you say, bleep these guys, bleep Kadri. We want a Stanley Cup for a reason. We have the DNA to dig deep and overcome obstacles. In 2019, no one gave us a shot. Even up to, to game seven, no one thought the Blues could do it. Oh, it's in Boston. How are they going to get it done? Are they cursed? Mm-hmm. This is when you need to say winner for Benner. We get it done. This is when you need to take Vladimir Tarasenko in a dark hallway, slap him in the face a little bit, throw some cold water in there, and say, wake up. You're a superstar. Take over this game. Are you going to let Nazem Kadri be the headline? Or are you going to say, I am Vladimir Tarasenko, and I am going to be the difference in this series? What are you humming? If you're confused. Is this a Notre Dame fight song? Yes, it is. Let's, let's, let's win one for the Gipper. Let's get a winner for Binner. Wait, why did I know that you're humming the Notre Dame you fight song? Deep. I don't even know if I could identify the Illinois fight song that easily. You know what it is? Rudy Effect. Tommy Reese is going to be so happy. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's my guy Tommy Reese. Shout out to him, by the There's way. Somewhere, somewhere in the world, he just perked up and he just goes, something happened great in the world. Did I, did I inspire you? I'm inspired. I've got, uh, I've got goosebumps. I'm chills. Okay, yeah. your sarcasm is not lost on me. That was emphatic, Randy. The the, the not your statement. The uh, humming. Should <laughs> I talk? Should I talk fairly... to ninety one? Should I Facetime him? <laughs> yeah, in Colorado. Tom or two. What's the rub off mean? Yeah. Barbie too. There you go. Uh, coming up next on one hundred and one ESPN. What is the most notable takeaway from the Blues loss last night? <laughs> Toast. They're toast. No, they're not, Randy. It is not over. We went into last night saying tied or toast. Are they tied? They are not tied. So that that leaves? That leaves trying to come back. All right. Trying to come back. You know what? I started this show off super bummed, and now I am going to be... The delusional fan that refuses to roll over. I like this. I have, I have shape shifted like you can't believe because this Caldi's coffee has given me life. It is not over, people. Shout out to Caldi's. Shout out to Caldi's. It is not over, people.
All right. Coming up next. Uh, <laughs> All right. So what was the big takeaway? And we, we do have a motivational speech for you next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. This is what it's all about. This is why we lace them up. This is why we put in the work. Why we sweat and why we bleed. Playing for the crest in the front of our sweater, winning the battles, sacrificing our bodies, and electrifying our crowd. This is the blood that runs through our veins. The chance to silence them, the chance to prove them wrong, the chance to make history. Can you feel it? Can you feel it running through your body? Do you sense the moment? Now this is the time to capture our emotions. This is the time we raise the volume. This is the time to own the moment. Together we are the Blues. Together we're St. Louis. Together we get knocked down and get right back up and keep coming. It's who we are, and we won't stop. They said we couldn't be here. Hey, buddy, we're here. Former Blue Kelly Chase before last night's 6-3 loss to the Colorado Avalanche at Enterprise Center. Blues fell 6-3, and they're trailing in the series three games to one. But, Michelle, we love motivational speeches, right? Yes, we do. And Chaser had one, and uh, there have been some great speeches in the history of mankind. And here's another one. Oh, we, we don't have it. I'm sorry. You we want me to give it. you one? Sure, yeah. All right. It's not over yet. There's still more games to play. Uh-huh. And here's At least the, one. And here's the thing. Did the Avalanche absolutely take it to the Blues last night on their home mm-hmm. ice when the Blues should have had a more emphatic response after Nazem Kadri took out their goalie? You bet. That happened. Mm-hmm. Did the villain Nazem Kadri take it to the Blues in many different ways last night? Frankly, own them. It's, it was yeah. awful. And we're feeling badly about it today, sure. But guess what, Randy? What? Here's the good news. That happened last night, and we still haven't seen the best version of so many players on this Blues team. What they need to do is they need to isolate a few guys, and they need to have them look in the mirror and dig deep and find who they are. Robert Thomas, I'm looking at you. Vladimir Tarasenko, you're also in this conversation. Bushnevich, seen some good things. I expect more. Brandon Saad, Barbie. I mean, there's there's some guys, Randy, that mm-hmm. we could point to that if they find that extra gear or play to a certain level, look at game two. And yes, Jordan Bennington was still between yeah. the pipes. That's yes, a, The yes, big thing is the Blues got outscored 6-1, 5 on 5 last night. They and have to be better five on five. Five five one if you take away the empty netter. But it's when you score two power play goals and you get outscored five one essentially on five on five. I don't know how you overcome that. But they've done such a good job of containing McKinnon and Rantanen and McCarr. They've they've eliminated a lot of Colorado stars. They just need their depth guys to step up and beyond depth. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko is the leading scorer on this team. Mm-hmm. He leads the teams, the team in points in reg- the regular season. If you are that guy, it needs to show up on the score sheet at some point in the playoffs. Has anything led you to believe that it will? Not yet, no. 
other than the body of work I have during yeah. the season, other than other than the fact that I know he's capable of it, no. Vladdy, before his injuries, was one of the best playoff scorers ever in the history of the game. But that appears to have gone by the wayside. And when you look at missing, essentially, the bubble with the shoulder injury, last year basically being invisible in that sweep by Colorado until the last five minutes of the last game. And then this year, he's had one game. He, he had the one game against Minnesota in the playoffs. He's not what he was in the playoffs before. I don't know why, but he's not the playoff performer that he was before he got injured. I don't know why either. But it's confusing to me after what we saw during the regular season mm-hmm. that we haven't seen it so far in me this too. series. And to the credit of Colorado and to the detriment of Vladdy, because we're talking about it like... It, it's his fault exclusively. They've defended him very, very well. They've, they've done a good job against him. But when you're one of the top guys, you have to overcome that and score now and then. Now, has McKinnon been able to do that? No. But when you look at the other series, when you look at Matthew Kachuk, and when mm-hmm. you look at Connor McDavid, when you look at a guy like Kuznetsov uh, last night, it's, uh, it's remarkable how the big guys for the great teams step up. And And, and by the way, Ryan O'Reilly has been that guy for the Blues. Absolutely, he has. The captain's been great. And here's the thing, Randy. We can point to so many things from the Blues side of things because that's what we do. We are Blues fans. We are the home of the Blues. We look at this through sometimes a singular lens. But all credit in the world goes to the Colorado Avalanche and to what they've been able to do. They're a really, really good hockey team that has been able to adjust, who's been able to have a game plan that executes, who's been able to be smart when it comes to uh, controlling their emotions and not letting certain moments get the best of them. They've played great. They've absolutely played great. And we knew that it was going to be a tough challenge for the Blues heading into the series. Certainly made tougher when you don't have Jordan Bennington between the pipes. But they're a really good hockey team. Yeah, and Jordan Biddington, by the way, uh, we, we heard, we, we got the 101 ESPN microphones into the training room the other night after he was diagnosed, after it was made clear that he wasn't going to be able to play anymore, and he was speaking to the team doctor, and here's that the way that unfolded. The last thing he said to me, Doc, he said, sometime the crew is up against it. The brakes are beating the boys. Tell them to get out there and Give it all they've got. And win just one for the zipper. I don't know where I'll be then, Doc, he said. That won't smell too good, that's for sure. Excuse me, Doc. I've got a plane to land. See? You can be fired up. Are you changing your attitude now? Oh, I am, yeah. Hearing that from inside the Blues training room. There's a plane to land. Yeah, we got a plane to land. Let's just hope it's not a quick return to St. Louis yeah, from Colorado. True, you point. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, we're going to talk to Darren Pang about his belief in the Blues going forward next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Blues talk, speculation, and reaction with Carriker and Smallman. It's Darren Pang on 101 ESPN. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Michelle Smallman, Randy 
Carrick, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Darren Pang, kind enough to join us, as he does every Tuesday morning during the hockey season here on 101 ESPN. And Panger had the call last night on TNT. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm, do- I'm doing pretty good this morning. A little uh, little tired today. I think uh, r- running out of voice, I think, as these games go on, but doing pretty well. You and me both, Panger. We're both tired. We're both losing our voice. We're struggling. Uh, the Blues last night, not the outcome that we wanted to see. What adjustments do you think they need to make heading into this next game to avoid elimination? Well, I really got to generate something five-on-five, five, Michelle. I mean, other than the power play and other than David Prawn and Ryan O'Reilly and Bushnevich had a good game last night, <clears throat> just not enough. Not enough at, at, at even strength. Not enough of that, you know, that sustained pressure that the Blues are so good at. Uh, hemming anybody in so uh, <clears throat> that would be number one for me and getting more guys going I think offensively I, I, I just against a team like Colorado you just you can't have you know one line going or one player going and then you go to the next line and and there's and there's no more momentum or sustained pressure so I, I think that's it number one right there. Panger if you look at the the entire series would you say that Colorado deserves some credit here, or is this all on the Blues for not being able to generate the offense across the board like they did during the regular season? Oh, no, goodness, no. I I think Colorado, we came into this knowing they're a great team. You know, Randy, they're they're, they're stacked. I mean, their four lines are humming. Their coach made some adjustments, changed their fourth line, put more speed on it with Logan O'Connor. Took out Burakovsky and put put in new hook last night, and that didn't make much of a difference. But the the fact is that they're I, I watched them coming back into their own zone through the neutral zone. Randy, they're 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 playing like a team that's under pressure to uh, to win a Stanley Cup, and so I think they deserve all the credit in the world uh, the way that they've played. Panger Nazem Kadri has been such an X factor in this series. He has a hat trick last night. What are you seeing from him? Why has he been able to be so effective? It's that it's that wrist shot that he's got. Um, you know, I don't know what happens when it comes off his stick, Michelle, but it must it must have some disguise to it because I mean, it's not the hardest shot in the world. It's not some big slapper. He doesn't have a shot like Vladdy Tarasenko, but you know, somehow he he gets it by in the right spots, like just over the pad and under the glove on both sides, the stick side and the glove side. Um, he's been very opportunistic. I thought in the first game. And parts of the second game, I mean, he took a lot of shots that were that were high and wide, and, and now he's found his mark, and he's got, getting way more confidence. Um, you know, you, you look back to last night with everything going on. I mean, I think there was a sec- security guard on the bench. People were, you know, NHL obviously uh, took whatever threats uh, very seriously, and, and you should. And, uh, you know, and then he, he was able to park all that and go out there and play. Um, pretty impressive that he was such a, a factor in the game. So uh, he's just another player that the Blues have to, you know, make sure they have to defend and, 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 and not just run around to get a hit on him um, because obviously he wasn't phased by that last night. So, uh, you know, the, the center ice position I thought coming into it was going to be a, a really important part of it. And, and, and uh, they, they've gotten their production from, you know, from, from Kadri, um, not much from Comfort, but he's been a good two-way player. Um, you know, I, I think Nathan McKinnon's been a, you know, a really good player. He backs you off, but but he hasn't been getting the points. But uh, it's been that that second line, that Kadri line, is the one that obviously put the nail in the in the dagger there last night uh, in, in that hockey game. Panger, as a goalie, can you give us your scouting report on Ville Husso since he's come into this series? 
Yeah, you know what? Not 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 as sharp as what we saw him during the regular season. Um, you know, I, I I think for whatever reason, the plays on the rush um, against him are, are backing him up. Um, the plays in tight, he's he's very good, and he has been all year. But for whatever reason, he's um, you know, you, you look back to when he replaced Bennington in, in Game Three, um, and Lekkinen scored on the rush uh, down the left side, a left hand shot. You know, not. Not the best angle for a left-hand shot to beat him short side, and he kind of backed in and ended up a little deep in the net. And you know, last night, uh, you know, similar situation there, rush goals against. So, I, I think with all the really good saves he made, uh, the magnifying glass goes on those types of opportunities. So, he, um, you know, he's he's been put in a pretty tough spot. And I know he's a great kid and he's been competitive in practice, but it's just not the same. And I'll tell you this. Um, last year, you know, Bennington had trouble with, with the rush plays too. Um, and it's, it's just something about how many odd man breaks that Colorado gets with the speed that they get, uh, that back you off the top of the crease and they're backing off our defensemen as well. And they need some help. They need our forwards to do a much better job of tracking back. I mean, the blues aren't getting those types of rush opportunities, um, because Colorado's forwards are coming back so hard through the new, through the neutral zone and, and in their own zone and taking away the middle of the ice. And so there's no easy place for the Blues to, to get on the offensive side of it. And I think Colorado has created better scoring chances off the rush with their speed and their transition. And, you know, he asked what the Blues have to do in, in Colorado. I guess besides getting, you know, more players involved five on five, it's defending. They're defending Colorado five-on-five five would be another key and be doing a better job of coming back into their own zone. Panger, with all that being said, do you think we'll see Ville Husso in game five, or do you think there's a uh, chance the Blues could go with Charlie Lindgren? Jeepers, I don't know. I, I actually looked at the bench like last night when it got to be three to nothing, and I looked at the bench just to see, you know, and, and uh, Chief ended up calling a timeout. I think I said it on the air. This is maybe an opportunity to either call a timeout or change the goaltender. And, you know, I, I, I love Chief to death and the way he coaches and the way he's loyal to players. And, you know, I, I don't think he, he wanted to make it a spectacle, you know, or not a spectacle, that's not the right word, um, but put the, put the onus on just the goaltender and end up going to the third goalie. I think he's, you know, he's, he's loyal to the guys that have done the job for him during the year. And, and uh, so for that, I mean, I, I just think that he'll go back to, to, to Villy and give him another opportunity there in a, in a Obviously, a must-win, backs against the wall, do or die, all that kind of stuff uh, for game number five. So if you were going to write a script for how game five would unfold for in the Blues' favor, what would the key be? Smothering defensive play. That's, that's it. I mean, absolutely smothering defensive play and win a game, you know, two to one and three to two. Because, uh, you know, I, 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 unless you've got, you know, really – in an ideal world, you'd have to have, you know, you'd have to have, you know, a guy like Vladdy step in there and, you know, score a couple of goals in the first period. And then, I mean, Perron and O'Reilly, are, I think they're playing their hearts out. I mean, I don't know much how much you could ask for them. Um, and they, they need some help. So I guess the script would be that somebody chips in, uh, even if it's a Torpchenko and an Ivan Barbashev, Robert Thomas, uh, Jordan Cairo. I mean, you know, that, that's the... That's the kind of goal scoring you need at moments like this to give you that jump, not just always the regular, you know, the, the guys that like David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly. So it was a good start last night with Bushnevich, and, and that's good. They, they, they look good together. Um, but certainly the, the, the ideal script is that somebody else 
pokes one in. Is there any one panger that you haven't seen enough from that you think might be close that we might see break out in Game 5? Well, I, I just know coming to the bench that there's, you know, just the, the, the Thomas and, and Cairo, are, they just seem frustrated. They just seem like nothing's happened during the course of a shift. And by the time it ends, they go to the bench and it's, they, you know, they, they, they know that they're not getting enough done. So, I mean, I, I mean, let's face it, those are two top players that the Blues have had all season long. And, and uh, um, so to have something from, from Robert Thomas or something from, from Jordan Cairo, uh, like I said before, Barbashev or Shen. Shen's playing a hard game, but you always feel a lot more confident, I think, when you score a goal and you know you're contributing that way. Panger, always good to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in uh, tomorrow night for game number five, and hopefully the Blues are able to force a game six. Sounds great. I know they've got the heart of a lion, so it's not going to be an easy one for Colorado to finish off. It never is. So I'm sure what the Blues are saying now is we've got to go home. We might as well take them home with us. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, Panger. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. See you later. That's Darren Pang with us on 101 ESPN. Yeah, that's a good thought. We got to go home. We might as well bring them with us. I'll be really interested to see if it is Billy Huso again, because Panger mentioned during the game he thought there might be a goalie change, and Billy Huso hasn't looked like the Billy Huso we've seen throughout the regular season and in Game One, Round One versus the Wild. I don't know if that's a desperation move going with Charlie Lindgren or if it's the spark that they need. I would sooner see Lindgren, though, at the start of a game rather than coming in cold, like Huso had to do when Biddington got hurt. I would think that Lindgren would have a better opportunity to succeed if he were the starting goalie. Do you think we'll see it? I would not be surprised. I wouldn't either. He's he's been putting up numbers. You know, he's been good. When the Avalanche scored on three consecutive shots last night, that was alarming. And by the way... Probably should have had all three. A, a, a great a, a goalie that's going great come playoff time probably gets all three of those. Yeah, I don't think that those get past Benner. Matthew, did you want to weigh in here? Well, I, I was just I, I was going to kind of bring up the exact same thing, which is in that scenario, which is almost the perfect storm to go to your backup goaltender in the middle of a game, those three straight goals. The fact that Baruby didn't pull the trigger there, I wondered if that was kind of the sign of, okay, they're they're not going to pull that trigger, and, and really, no matter the situation, this is going to be Huso's series to win or lose at this point. Just because, I mean, is there any better situation to, to go to your backup than that exact one we saw last night? But then no, again, the guy's just up, the backup, just up yeah. that day. There's so many other variables. Yeah, yeah I, I think if your backup is played for you, it's a different animal. But the fact that the guy's been down in Springfield and hasn't faced NHL uh, players for such a long time, I think that has something to do with it. By the way, in the playoffs, down in the AHL, Joel Hofer of Springfield has a 1.01 goals against and a 972 save percentage. And uh, at this point, uh, I don't have the uh, the latest numbers. Let me get the uh, numbers. I, I will as we go along here. I'll get the numbers that, ho- uh, that our guy... Charlie Lindgren, here we go. Regular season, 2.21 goals against and a 900 save percentage. Uh, 925 save percentage mm-hmm. for Springfield. So he, he's put up the numbers here at the NHL level and obviously down at Spring, up at Springfield as well. I don't know the full numbers, but yeah, uh, two nights ago, Hover had a 35 save uh, outing for the Thunderbirds as they won. So the Blues have a couple of guys that uh, they think that have a chance to be up here and be, at the very worst, a backup goalie for Jordan Bennington. The fight is next on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. 835 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Yeah, let's lower that bet a little. It's competing with... This scraggly voice I have today (laughs) after being up late watching the blues. Let's bring in our challenger today. Mike is back with us here on 101 ESPN. We have a returning fighter. If you weren't listening yesterday, and shame on you because you missed quite the fight. Mike came in. He not only took down Randy, but he beat him four to two. He got all four correct in his absolute shellacking of Megamind yesterday. And he's back to defend his title. Hopefully get one step closer to the Hall of Fame. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? I'm all right. How about you? I am doing well. Did you gloat a little bit yesterday after your beat down of Randy Carricker? Yeah, a little bit. I can't lie. You know what? I would too if I was you. It's a rare thing. Mike, you're only the second person to get to a round two in May. It has been a it has been a Randy Carricker show in the month of May so far. So to come in late in the month like this and get a four to two win, that was that was a big showing yesterday. Well, I've been telling people that because I know nobody beats Randy. Nobody beats him, but you did yesterday, and let's hope you can keep it going. <laughs> All right. Are you ready, Mike? Yep. All right. Question number one. Recent Cardinals call-ups, Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor, grew up playing baseball together in what state? Florida, California, or Arizona? Arizona. At which ballpark has Albert Pujols hit the most home runs as a visiting player? Is it the Great American Ballpark in, P- in Cincinnati, PNC in Pittsburgh, or Minute Maid Park in Houston? Whoa. I'm going to say PNC. Sorry, you were a little muffled there. You said PNC? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, perfect. Sorry, my headphones are going in and out here. Trying voice, to adjust. the headphones, we're you know what? in and out. We're just not going. This is... Today, I am the hot mess express. But look at that New Balance jacket, though. I know. Shout out to New Balance for having me geared up today. But I'm sure a lot of people are feeling that way in St. Louis. I was at the game. I was. I did pregame. First intermission report was going to leave and right before the second period to beat the traffic. Then they started to mount a comeback. I was like, I can't leave now. Stayed until the end, got stuck in traffic. Quick turnaround for your girl. But thrilled to be here. All right, my question number three. Happy birthday to former Ram and Super Bowl champion Jeff Zanina. He played all 16 games in 1999, backing up our guy, former 101 ESPN host DeMarco Farr. And who else at the DT spot? Is it Brian Young, Jay Williams, or Ray Agnew? Agnew. And Paul Goldschmidt leads Major League Baseball in walk-off homers over the last 10 years after last night's Grand Slam. How many has he hit? Seven, five, or three? Seven. Okay. (laughs) Checking our score. Mike, you might be Megamind Volume 2. That's all I'll say. Good job today. Second Thank day, you. Second day in a row. Strong showing for Mike Randy. Good deal. Did he go without uh, the, uh, the life <laughs> Not yet, because he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's oh, okay. not how this works. Oh, okay. 
Randy heard the Megamind Jr. line and took offense. As he should. That was a little premature <laughs> on my part. Uh, Randy, say good morning again to Mike. Mike, good morning. How are you doing? I'm all right, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Yes, sir. Are you ready, Randy? Ready. Question number one. Recent Cardinals call-ups Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor grew up playing baseball together in what state? Arizona. At which ballpark has Albert Pujols hit the most home runs as a visiting player? I believe it's Pittsburgh. Happy birthday to former Ram and Super Bowl champion Jeff Zanina. He played all 16 games in 1999, backing up our guy DeMarco Farr. And who else at the DT spot? Uh, well, we had um, Ray Agnew on that team. I would say that number 99, Ray Agnew, was probably... Although you had Galen Hyder, too. He wasn't starting, but he was a fellow backup, I would guess, <laughs> with Jeff Scanina, who had the, the still, and probably for the rest of my life, the largest calves of anybody I've ever seen in my life. The largest calves, huh? Yeah, Jeff Scanina's calves. If you just Google Jeff Scanina's calves, it's unbelievable. He was a huge, huge guy. Good DT. Played yeah. a, had a nice little career there. I am Googling his calves right now. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> on the work email. On the work internet? Okay. Hey, I mean, this is show <laughs> research. SGO. N-I-N-A is Ganina. And, yeah, that, yeah, the spelling th- always throws me off. Uh, and number four, Paul Goldschmidt leads Major League Baseball in walk-off homers over the last 10 years after last night's Grand Slam. How many has he hit? How many walk-off home runs has he hit? Yes, Paul Goldschmidt, leading the MLB in the last 10 years. I'll do the lifeline here. Is it seven, five, or three? Hmm. Um, I'll go, uh, I'll take the middle. I'll take five. Close one today. Three to two, final score. Did Mike beat Randy two days in a row? Is he coming back tomorrow with the Hall of Fame on the line? Or did Megamine, the OG, stop him in his tracks? Matt, ring the bell. Mike, two days in a row. Congratulations. You beat Randy three to two. Thank you. All right, let's run through our answers. Mm-hmm. Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor, they grew up playing baseball together in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Albert Pujols has hit the most home runs as a visiting player in Minute Maid Park in Houston. No, he's hit more in Pittsburgh. I'm I'm just reading the sheet. That is according to MLB.com. Because I guess he got a bunch when he was an angel. In oh. Pittsburgh, in in Houston, or he got he got okay. some, you know, not a bunch, but we forget some. about those ten years. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jeff Scanina backed up Defar and Ray Agnew in '99, and Paul Goldschmidt leads baseball in walk off homers over the last ten years after his grand slam last night. He's hit seven. Wow, seven home runs for Goldie. Mike, congratulations. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Hall of Fame on the line. Sounds good, guys. Have a good day. Take you too. Care. Thank you very much. Mike with us on 101 ESPN. Congratulations to him. And we go to another Mike, Mike Claiborne, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Michelle and Randy, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Mike Claiborne of Claves Online, the Joe West 5460 podcast, and of course, the Cardinal Radio Network joins us. Claves, good morning. How are you doing? I am doing okay. Happy about the win, disappointed about the loss. Well, let's start with the loss then. Let's get that out of the way, Klebs. What adjustments do you think that the Blues need to make heading into Game 5? Or do you think they can make any adjustments to really turn the tide here and avoid elimination? Well, you know, you, you, you want them to be a little bit more desperate, I think. Uh, and, and that means not necessarily just trying to knock people into the fifth row, but do the things that they are comfortable doing and taking Colorado out of their comfort zone. Uh, we know that they can beat them. I mean, they've done that. They haven't done it as much as they need to, but they have to have. They need to be a little bit more intense and in, in winning small battles with the puck. I mean, there are too many times they were getting pushed off and outskated, and, and I know that they can be be a better team than what we've seen. Yeah, Claves at the exact midpoint of the game, the Blues had been outshot twenty-four to six, and they had been outscored four to one. So, thirty minutes into the game, the Avalanche had four goals, and the Blues had six shots. Yeah, and that that's a concern. I mean, the goaltending was average, and I think in order to be the team like Colorado, you have to be above average. So that that's a question. I think everybody will rattle around. Do you stay with Huso? And I always, I'm wondering this: How much money is Huso costing himself right now? Good uh, he's gonna be unrestricted, and everybody was like, "Well, we got a real issue here between Bennington and Huso. Can we keep them both?" But you know, Huso just hasn't shown me enough consistency. So, do you go with Lindgren? Because let's face it: if Huso moves on, and there's a chance that he will, Lindgren's a guy you're gonna probably have to throw out there. So you might as well get a look at them. And, you know, let's face it, this game is about pressure and how you respond. So I don't think I have a problem running them out there because I don't think you have anything to lose at this point. Well, a disappointing result at Enterprise Center, but a much more favorable result down the street as the Cardinals beat the Blue Jays 7-3 to on the back of Paul Goldschmidt and that grand slam to end the game. And I know, Claves, that because of the lockout and the truncated spring training, you're going to reserve full judgment on this team until the 4th of July, I believe, is your tent pole. But we are a quarter of the way through correct. this. Okay, okay. But we are a quarter of the way through this season, so I want to get your observations on the Cardinals up to this point. Well, you know, I think the, the, the challenge that they have is, is finding consistency uh, offensively. And, and that doesn't mean you have to score 18 runs a night. But there were opportunities last night that they just couldn't, couldn't do anything with. And, and I think it goes back to what the concern was last year, uh, left-handed hitting. You know, Corey Dickerson was brought in to be a guy that maybe would provide a little punch from the left side. That hasn't happened. Brendan Donovan is basically taking his at-bats. Uh, and and Lars Newtbar is going to probably move up the ladder as well. Uh, so that's the one concern that I still have. Along with the pitching, you know, Miles Michaelis is everything you want. He gives you plus innings. You know, he keeps the ball in the ballpark for the most part. But I also feel like we've got to get more out of Hudson and Hicks uh, with regard to productivity. Four innings is not going to get it. Five innings is not going to get it especially if these guys pitch back-to-back because it burns up your bullpen and it will ruin your bullpen over the course of a week or so. So those are some of the little things that we have to be better at. The defense has just still been outstanding. Uh, they do things that we just don't see on a regular basis from other teams, and that's the reason why they've been in some ball games. And the emergence of Ryan Helsley, I think, is something 
we had to take an even closer look at because, in my opinion, he's going to be vying for the closer spot. The question is, how often can you use him? You know, one of the things about Ali Marmo, he goes with a pitcher for more than an inning, and I like that. Uh, but with the price you pay, that means maybe that guy can't come back and give you as much the next day. So maybe you don't pitch him every day or every other day. Maybe he's a guy you pitch three days a week or two days a week, but you're going to be effective when you have him. Claves, what was your impression of Libertor on Saturday? And is he a guy that conceivably could give the Cardinals more innings from the uh, a starter? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's always been a starter. The, the challenge that I think we have with young pitchers today, um, they give you the max effort delivery on every pitch, and, and I just think it, you can't sustain that. You have to be able to use other pitches that don't put as much stress on you. And next year when you have to speed up the game, that's going to challenge a lot of these young pitchers. Uh, we're seeing more of them that work faster, but the ones who don't are glaring. But I, I really feel like Libertor, if he's not going to be a starter, he can't help you. I'm sorry. And so it's going to take time. He's learning how to pitch at this level. But I like where I see in him. The thing is, with his curveball, his fastball has good movement. He just has to make sure that he continues the mechanics of his of his breaking ball because sometimes he can get a little wobbly. Sometimes he leaves it out there a little too much, and he can get hit by it. But overall, I, I like what I saw in the first outing, and I'm looking forward to his next one. Claves, let's stick with pitching. I know that John Mozalek said that Jack Flaherty was on schedule with his progression. He threw a couple bullpens over the latest road trip. You're very tight in with the team. You're down there every day. What are you hearing about how Jack Flaherty's feeling and about his rehab? Well, that's an interesting question you bring up because Mo kind of elaborated on it yesterday that he's on on course, and there really isn't much more to say other than how his bullpens are working. I, I really feel like at this point, He's, he's got to be ready for an assignment in June, uh, whether it's Memphis or Pittsburgh, because at this point i, I got to feel like he's, he's stretched out enough where he can actually start throwing the hitters, and I think that's the next step. So I, I feel like we're getting closer, but, you know, there wasn't any new information with respect to the timetable, and they kind of kept that close to the vest from day one. And I, I really feel like in, in, when if someone has a shoulder or something along the line that Jack has, it's a little easier to just hold off because shoulders change on a regular basis with, with regard to progress is, is, is concerned. So uh, we'll just have to wait wait it out. So, you know what, if you get him back by mid to late June, uh, I think that that's a plus uh, because at that point somebody's going to pitch themselves out of the rotation anyway. Mike, one of our favorite guys that we've had the opportunity to get to know as a Cardinal player over the years has been Eduardo Perez, and I know you and Joe West talked to him on the latest 5460 podcast that dropped yesterday. Yeah, we had a ball talking to Eduardo, and we're going to do one with his dad coming up here in the very near future. Uh, So we'd have Eduardo and uh, his dad, Tony, Hall of Famer, and Joe had the pleasure of umpiring both of those guys in the course of his career. So I'm looking forward to hearing Tony tell some great stories. Uh, and he has a few good ones about his his dealings with Bob Gibson. So I'm looking forward to that. And we've got some other ones coming up down the road that uh, I think everybody will get a kick out of. Joe Buck is going to be part of one here down the road. And uh, we have a few others that have committed. So we're just looking forward to getting them in a the room and having a good time. It's the Joe West 5460 podcast, and you can find that anywhere that you find your podcast. Meanwhile, still a lot going on with Claves Online, too, right? Oh, yeah. We've had uh, lunch with Joe and Claves today, 
and we'll kind of run down a few things that kind of pique our interest. Uh, the daily cards, certainly with Rammer and Joe, and the uh, two-man game with our own, uh, your own, Matt Rocchio and Bob Ramsey talking some NBA right now as we get closer to the finals. Looks like Golden State might close out Dallas tonight. That's a battle over in the East between Miami and Boston. I don't, I just don't know. And Matt and I were just talking about it. I think Miami's just got a little too much for Boston, but Boston's going to make them earn it. Hey, Claves, one more thing swinging back to the Cardinals. Jordan Hicks goes tonight, last outing, 82 pitches, only 39 strikes. And I get that it's young, it's early on in his starting career, but. At some point, a guy has to get more efficient. He wasn't particularly efficient as a closer either. I know he throws hard. We all know he throws hard. But is he a guy that you think is ever going to find that efficiency to be a guy that gives you, you you mentioned, five isn't enough. Is he capable of being a six-inning pitcher? I think so. But, you know, I'll tell you, we were having this discussion yesterday. I just don't want to see him go down the Johan Oviedo route where, you know, he's thrown into a situation where he had to learn how to pitch on the big league level when, you know, maybe Oviedo, and COVID had a lot to do with it, was a guy who had to learn how to pitch at the big league level, and it just didn't work out. And we saw him going four innings, maybe five, and using a whole lot of pitches. So, you know, maybe you take a step back. If if you really want to be committed to him, he's got to go somewhere and pitch. Okay, and I don't know if it's in the big leagues. I, I think he's got to be a guy who's got to have some consistency, have some confidence, and have the ability to truly master his other pitches within a timely manner. I'm hoping that tonight we don't see something like we've witnessed here recently with him where it just takes forever between pitches, and I think he loses focus, his defense loses focus, and that's when he gets hurt. And, Mike, the only three games that he's pitched above Class A, aside from the majors, were rehab assignments in Memphis at AAA. So you're right. He never had that opportunity to to really develop like a guy like Libertor is getting. Exactly. And, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Now, I think that's a discussion you have to have. Hey, if you really feel like you, you can start, this is the path we suggest. Uh, and if you don't feel like that's something you can do, then, you know, maybe it's back to the bullpen. I, I don't know, but this is something, you know, he's 25 years old, so there's a lot of baseball left in him. But I think we've got to be more efficient, and he's got to have an understanding of what it's going to take to get to that next level as far as being a starting pitcher is concerned. Claves, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, gang. Have a great week. Take care. You too. See you later. That is Mike Claiborne. You'll hear him tonight on the Cardinal Broadcast. And you can, of course, hear him on the Joe West Podcast, the 5460 Podcast. Hey, we want you to know that 101 ESPN is proud to sponsor Big League Impact's Swinging for Impact Sunday night, June 12th at Top Golf in Chesterfield. Ever dreamed of golfing with your favorite Cardinals player? Well, you can join Adam Wainwright and Tommy Edmond for an evening of camaraderie and competition alongside your favorite Cardinal players all in support of Big League Impact, supported by Anna and Matt McDonald, RTP Outdoors, and your local independent American standard heating and air conditioning dealers. Get all the details on this year's Swinging for Impact now at 101ESPN.com. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, more of your texts, more of your mic drops on the heels of the Cardinals' 6-3 loss to the Colorado Avalanche last night that put them in a 3-1 hole in the playoff series. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here's Matter. Time-
Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. I think the emotions really were high. I'm in a glass case of emotion! Well, I told everyone in the room today that I have not been able to understand the emotion since 2002. It's an emotional day. Michelle has been emotional all day. Tired, too. I guess. You, too, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But tired yeah. leads to emotional. Yeah, you can't control them as easily as you normally can when you're exhausted. Right. I've just been angry all day. Not sad, though. That's good. No, I'm not sad. It's not over yet. Okay. Does it look bad? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Looks bad. A little, are the blues in a tough spot? You betcha. But it is not over just yet. But I don't think it's over when we say it is either. I think it might be over when Colorado says it is. I kind of get that feeling. When Nazem Kadri says it's over? Yeah. I tweeted this last night, Randy. He's doing, he's gone full Doug Armstrong. Take the knife, jab it into the eye and into the brain and kill him. He's done everything possible to eliminate the Blues. He's been a one-man wrecking crew. He really has. On the stat sheet. In between the pipes. Yep. He's played his game in knocking out a player and mm-hmm. then played his game. He scored 87 points. He's not a bad player. He's a good player. But there's things that are unnecessary that he does, that he has done during this series. And that's going to help Colorado win this series and advance to the Western Conference Finals. And here's the thing, Randy. If I'm the Blues, I'm in the dressing room before the next game in Colorado. Elimination is looming. I cannot let that guy beat us. There is no way that I am letting Nazem Kadri beat us. I'm looking up in the press box. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing number 50 sitting there in a very nice suit. Yeah, very nice. Super great. Great style. I cannot let Nazem Kadri beat us. Yeah, you'd hate for that to happen. Now, it might be McKinnon who finally breaks out or McCarr. Like maybe somebody else will beat them, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be Nazem Kadri. It's Kadri's. not going to be uh, Samuel Girard. That's true. That's it a good thing. Certainly not be him who's out for the series. But. Uh, we're going to take your mic drops and text 65780. <laughs> this latest one from the 636. He already did beat them. Yeah, he did. He point. beat them last night, big time. Uh, from the 217, in all caps, it's over. Randy, you felt that way. You're at acceptance. You think it's over. Yeah, from the 636. Technically, they still have to play the games, but yeah, it's over. I'm going to buy a cookie cake tomorrow. It's not like I'm not going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the Snuggie at the ready. I'm going to have my, my Blues jammies on. I'm, I'm going to try, which is more than you can say for, well, I'm not even going to name names. You should. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to. The effort has. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. As Chief said, he, Chief's one of his favorite phrases, compete, right? He, mm-hmm. he always talks about the compete level. No no questions about the compete level of Ryan O'Reilly or David Perron. Nope. Absolutely not. Those and 91 had a shot last night, had one shot last night. So, I do think that we need more from him. And I know that in game three he played better and there's been moments where you felt that he's close. If you're the leading scorer on the team and you are one of the best players in the National Hockey League, this is the moment that you show up for your team. Yeah. 
This is the moment where you put them on your back and you absolutely take over a game. And I'm not putting it all on Vladimir Tarashenko's shoulders because there's a lot of guys on the Blues who we haven't seen enough from. Robert Thomas, we want to see more from. Jordan mm-hmm. Cairo. There, there's a laundry list of guys that I think if you ask them, they would say, yes, I have not given everything that I need to or I haven't produced in the way I need to. I should rephrase that. And that's one reason why I don't think it's just over just yet because the Blues have not gotten everything that they need to get out of certain players. There's one player on this roster, all due respect to David Braun and Ryan O'Reilly, but there's one player on this team that can do what Kadri did last night, and that's Vladimir Tarasenko. Yes. And he hasn't done it. You know what that means? That he's going to? He's due. Okay, due factor. He's due, right? Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Well, yeah. He's, Listen, I'm but, digging deep here. Come on, help he, me out. He's been due for a little while. He So he's double due. Yeah. Yeah, I would say he's so. super due. Uh, let's get uh, Carl V, who sent us a mic drop, and we do appreciate Carl V participating in the show, and all of you who leave a Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. Carl, what do you got for us here on Character and Smallman? You know, I think I'm in the uh, acceptance stage of my grief. Um... You know, the minute that Bennington left the ice the other night, I thought, oh, boy, there goes our, there goes our X Factor. That's realistic. That's just, it's not anything other than just being a realist. I think all of us collectively said, oh, bleep. Yep. Uh, from the 314, hey, Randy, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I'm a realist. And the Blues will be eliminated in five. Okay. I know we're all feeling that way, yep. but wouldn't it, be, would it not surprise you if they won Game Five, but then got eliminated in Game Six? Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I don't. Well, cookie I, cake. But you'd feel, gosh, and you know what, Randy? I keep thinking back to Game One. Yep. The Blues had no business being in that game. They could have absolutely stolen it in overtime. Mm-hmm. Could have. And we said that next day. I hope they don't look back on this and say that was our opportunity. Yeah. And little did we know that Jordan Bennington. I was going to get knocked out. I was going to get knocked out of the series. Right. Uh, hey, Randy and Michelle, where are the hockey gods? Kadri knocks out our goalie and scores a hat trick? That's a good question. Not only that, let's think about this. Where was God? Hockey. Hello, big man. We're talking to you. Yep. Let's let's really boil this down. Mm-hmm. So this scoundrel, Stan Kroenke, rips our football team out of town. He owns the Avs. That should be karma enough. Yep. Hockey gods should let... The Blues beat the Avalanche for that alone. Then you have Nazem Kadri, who is notoriously a dirty player, especially in the playoffs, who takes out Jordan Bennington, and there isn't some karmic retribution there. But you know what, Randy? I wonder if that's counteracted by some of the racist comments and threats that he's gotten from Blues fans. I wonder if that pushes out the well, hockey gods' be. karma, because that's unacceptable. And, the, and you know what? For the people that did that, think about this. Not only should you never do that, and there's no place for that anywhere, anytime, but now the story is that he's overcome your actions. Now the story is not what he did to Jordan Bennington and how it adds to his resume of controversial moments in his career and in the playoffs, but now he is the hero because he's overcome racist comments and threats from you, you big jerk. You're right. You gave him bulletin board material. Not only are you gross because you're racist and terrible, but now you've you've activated him in another way. Right. He we're in the playoffs and this is a guy that needed to be motivated and well, Craig Ruby too. 
and the, those people motivated him, even to a higher level. Ugh. Is it weird that with all the bad things that happened, the only thing that still bothers me from last night is Buchnevich getting that Buchnevich getting the penalty in the five on three as well. When because well, I understand Peron getting it, obviously, but that's that's well, going to stick in my craw for like a week or two down the road. When I'm just like, that's a that's a that's a clear. Everyone makes a mistake, you know. Everyone's doing bad mm-hmm. things. Retaliatory hit. You're always going to get the guy who retaliates. But I thought Buchnevich's little, you know. Watch your play there, buddy. Well, was a fine hit. How about it's gonna stick with me. when they called both penalties, and then Kadri and the official are standing there cutting it up with each other, laughing <sighs> and joking around. Yeah, that didn't. Yeah, I didn't like that either. It's not a good look. <sighs> no, it's certainly not. So, but you know what? You can't let things like that beat you. You you have to overcome all of this. Even all of those things we just mentioned. If the Blues are getting production from their depth. We're having a different conversation. From the 314, maybe they're just a better team. You know what? That could be the case. <laughs> yeah, it could be. They're really good. Stick yeah. taps to them, they're good. Yep. But the Blues have done a good job controlling and containing their stars. Nathan McKinnon has not been effective in the series. Right. Ryan O'Reilly has done a great job against him. My my thing is, is that in game two, we saw that the Blues, if they have a game plan and execute it, can get it done versus Colorado. This is all about adjustments. Can the Blues make the right adjustments heading into Game 5 to avoid elimination? What is Craig Ruby going to do from a line perspective? I just think that everybody on the team needs to take a look at 57 and 90 and say, I am not going to give 0.01% less effort than they are. I am Mm -hmm. going to match their effort and their intensity, sacrifice my body, whatever needs to be done to win, I'm going to play like those two guys who've set the tone. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a guy who has been in this situation and overcome the situation. Jamal Mayers joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamal Mayers was a member of the St. Louis Blues in 1999 when they trailed the Coyotes three games to one, came back and won. He was also a member of the Blues in 2003 when they were ahead of the Vancouver Canucks. Everybody got the flu, and the Blues wound up losing the last three and lost that series three games, uh, four games to three. So Jamal Mayers, who joins us after every Blues playoff game, is with us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Good. I hope I brought back a good memory with, with, with the bad 03 memory. I hope the 99 memory is a good one for you. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, it, uh, it's those, those t- types of things that happen in your career uh, that you remember. And certainly coming back from 3-1, to one, um, I was fortunate enough to be in a few teams that did that. So uh, it is possible. Well, Jamal, how did the Blues get it done? What's the blueprint for them to complete the turnaround? Well, it sounds cliche, but their universal truths is you just you can't look past the next game and, and quite frankly, can't look past the next period. And so they have a huge gargantuan task. But if you look at it on the on the on the aggregate, it's it's too large of a of a hurdle to cross. So all they have to focus on is the first period, winning the next game's first period, winning the next game's second period, winning the next game. And then you get at least to bring 
uh, come back home for game six, that's the focus for this team is not so much how big of a hole they're in, but rather uh, an opportunity to get it back to enterprise for game six. And Jammer, let's get specific about what the Blues need to do to win games. What did you see last night that you think the Blues need to improve upon? Well, obviously, uh, I thought they got off to a great start. Getting that first goal was massive, um, even though they were being outshot. And you knew that there was going to be moments in the game, like any game within within a series, that the other team seems to take over. And the unfortunate part for the Blues, that time happened in the second period, and it lasted about three or four minutes. And in that time, Colorado was able to score, you know, uh, three goals. And so you find yourself... You know, you think you're playing well, but now all of a sudden you're down three to one, and that happened fairly quickly. Um, and listen, when I say this, I mean it with all due respect. I, I think that David Perron has been one of the best player, if not the best player for the Blues, but very unfortunate to take that penalty because what it did was when Colorado was able to score, the game is now four to one. And if it had stayed three to one, you know, the Blues get the next two goals, now you're tied. And so I feel like that was the turning point. And it's it's hard to put put it on one particular moment, but there always are a specific moments in a game where the momentum swings. Even though they were down three to one, they kept playing, they fought back, but I think that penalty there, that extra penalty where Colorado was able to take advantage and extend the lead to three goals made it uh, too big of a, of a hole to climb out of, and, and that was the, the key to the game. Jamal, Nazem Kadri has been such an X factor in this series. What are you seeing from him? Why has he been able to be so lethal versus the Blues? Well, first of all, he's a guy who had almost 90 points, and so he's had a breakout offensive season. Um, he's certainly a player that plays over the edge, uh, has crossed the line several times in his career, um, you know, I think there, you can excuse, uh, him going into Bennington. Uh, he can, he can say all he wants, that it was, uh, an effort to, you know, reach for the puck and was slightly pushed and, and, and so forth. But the, I, the fact remains is that when you put yourself in those situations, what do you expect the likely outcome would be? There's going to be a collision. And I think that, that's one thing that I think guys get too much of the benefit of the doubt like him when they do things like that is I don't think they should get the benefit of the doubt. There was no other reason reaching for that puck. There was no other explanation or intended result from doing that other than having contact with the goalie, which he was completely comfortable with. And so it's unfortunate because Bennington had refound his game and you know, I think you look back and, and hopefully it isn't the turning point of this series. But at that point, I believe the Blues were up one to nothing. Uh, we're, we're in complete command of, of the game, coming off a huge win uh, to take, uh, you know, the game previous. And so, you know, for me, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. And, and uh, it's unfortunate because the Blues uh, lose uh, their, their number one goalie. 
I agree with you, and I've said that throughout the, the last few days, Jammer, and I'm glad that you look at it from that perspective, that because of his history, and that's what Craig Berube mentioned right after the game, you look at his reputation, he's, he hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt. If that happens with any, really, really any other member of the Avalanche, it's a different situation. That's exactly right. If it's uh, Natrushkin that does that, if it's anyone, anyone on the, on the team, Byram, if it's any one of the forwards that happens to, to reach for a puck in, in, in that instance. But again, I go back to, you know, what is your intended, what do you think could happen? Nothing good could happen from that. And to suggest that he was reaching for a loose puck, I, it, I don't buy it. Uh, I think that, you know, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. He will not get the benefit of the doubt of anyone in the hockey. And I think that uh, he knew that he used that to his advantage and knew that you know, the Blues players were looking uh, to perhaps seek vengeance. He was challenged in the first shift uh, by Schenner and didn't want to oblige. Uh, I would argue that he should have. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he, he – he was a factor in the game offensively, and and it makes it sting a little bit more. Hey, Jammer, a lot of suggestions last night and this morning, especially with the struggles that Husso endured in the second period, about using Charlie Lindgren in Game 5. Husso's been here all year. Lindgren was here for five games. What do you think of that? Well, that's tough. That's a tough position um, to put Lindgren in. Uh, you know, I think Husso has played well, and... Um, you know, it's a tough situation. I think that I wouldn't want to be part of the coaching staff. Now, the, the key to this is this, is that the coaching staff knows their their players better than anyone. So if they make that determination or decision, it's because they think that's the best uh, goaltender they can put in tomorrow to win the hockey game. And so if that's what they choose to do, this isn't a desperate move. This isn't a team that is uh, – you know, just trying anything. This is a this is a decision that they will make based singularly based on the fact that they believe that goaltender, whoever they choose, will give them the best chance to win. Jamal, the Blues are looking to get some production out of guys who aren't Ryan O'Reilly and David Prawn, but as you've watched this series unfold, is there one guy in particular that you think could be close that we could see maybe have a breakout game in Game 5? Well, honestly, you, you know, we all want to see more from Robert Thomas and, and, and obviously more from Tarasenko. I think the more that Thomas gets involved, the more that he shows urgency and simplification of his game, it feeds into Tarasenko. So Tarasenko is a guy who's going to catch and release. He's going to, he's going to, um, he's not going to create off the rush on his own. He's going to catch the puck and he's going to shoot it and he's going to score. Very few players can score from distance with a wrist shot like he can. So I think it's going to be incumbent upon and unfortunately, it falls on Thomas's shoulders to elevate his game even further. Um, and I do feel like they're scratching the surface, but it's, it's really important that they get on the score sheet and contribute offensively because that's what made this team so difficult to play against all season long was their depth of scoring. The, the fact that they had nine goal scorers, nine players, and you know, the top nine had over 20 goals and no other team in the National Hockey League had that. So, I'd like to see them get going, and, and honestly, it doesn't take much for those offensive players. You know, it could be the power play goal that feeds into their five-on-five. Five. So hopefully they can get one early and, and feel confident and want the puck and then 
be able to build off of that momentum. There's so many youngsters in St. Louis that are hockey players that want to improve their hockey playing ability. Jamal Mayers has camps throughout the summer. Tell us about those. Yeah, thanks. I mean, um, I've got three camps this summer. One is June 6th to 10th. The second one is July 25th to 29th. And the last one is August 8th to 12th. And there's two groups, a 7 to 11-year-old group, and then there's a 12 to 16-year-old group. And what we focus on in these groups is everyone has a puck, everyone's moving, everyone's working on skills that are applicable and that can be used eventually in a game. Um, my real feeling is that skill acquisition is the, is the name of the new game. It takes time, it takes repetition, it takes um, you know, a real focus on the rhythm, the repetition, and, and then honestly the recognition of when to use it. And I love seeing the smiles on kids' faces when they finally figure it out, when they work on a certain move or a pivot or, or using a shot that they're going to use in a game, and, and they finally have the confidence to use it. So it's very rewarding. I'm excited to see this summer all the kids coming out, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. And people can find it on your Instagram page, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, Jamal Mayers underscore hockey skills. Beautiful. And all the information will be uh, in that link there. Yeah, and uh, kids, I-, I will recommend you firsthand because you do great work, and uh, we can't wait to have St. Louis produce even more great young hockey players. Jammer, always good to have you with us. We will talk to you on Thursday morning, and hopefully we'll be talking about a Game 6 coming up. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Jamal Mayer's with us on 101 ESPN. He does a fantastic job. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It is time for... Well, we focus naturally a lot, Randy, on the Colorado Avalanche defeat of our St. Louis Blues 6-3 to last night. Mm-hmm. Another game happening. The Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Florida Panthers 2 to nothing. They win the series full sweep 4 to nothing. And this game is not without a bit of controversy leading into it. There was a report, Randy, from two Florida radio hosts that prior to the game, some Florida Panthers players were out partying at a Tampa strip club until nearly 3 a.m. That's right, the morning mm-hmm. of the game, still partying at 3 a.m. at a strip club. Now, their head coach came out and said, that is not the case, and you need to check your sources about these radio hosts. And then we had another guy, Andy Slater, come in, and he said, I did indeed check with my strip club sources, who are the best in the industry, and there were, in fact, players at the strip club until 3 a.m. Well, number one, it's great to have strip club sources. The best in the industry, especially. I was just going to say, especially when you have ones that you know are top-notch. Pretty strong. Yeah. It's my understanding that it was the, the Black Aces. It's the players that have been called up that weren't going to play for the Panthers in that game. It seems pretty obvious that there were players there, but... From my understanding, it wasn't the the star players or the guys that were playing. Matthew? I've understood for years that Miami having a natural home court that has nothing to do with the stadium, and L.A. having the same thing. And, some, and to a point, people even argue sometimes Houston and Atlanta with the quality of some of their establishments. Tampa Bay? 
I've never heard about Tampa Bay oh. having this intrinsic uh, home field advantage for the away teams with the nightlife. I, I wouldn't have put it with L.A., the Miamis, any of these. That's kind of shocking to so, me. So Tampa... The at the old or maybe it was the new stadium. I'll, I'll I'll find it for us. But they used to bring a like a, a mobile home to the parking lot of Raymond James Stadium and have like a mobile strip club there for after Buccaneers games. Really? Yeah. What? Yep, I'll so find it here. how did that work? Did you pay outside the door yep. for entry? That's okay. exactly what it was. And obviously there's not a lot of space in there, so first come, first serve, I would imagine. Right. And I, I'm assuming no champagne room in the trailer. Yeah, you don't probably have, unless it's double wide. <laughs> right? Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. So a 40-foot motorhome converted into a strip club on wheels, offering alcohol and lab dances to football fans outside the stadium before and after Buccaneers games back in 2005. That's ingenuity right there. Yeah. But then it apparently got shut down. Doesn't seem... Fair? <laughs> sanitary. <laughs> oh, no. That, that, hey, don't worry about strip clubs and sanitary. That's that. Those are two words that do not belong in the same sentence. I don't think that anyone entering a strip club is worried about the sanitation. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Especially a 40-foot mobile home strip club. No, you know what you're getting when you no. go in there. Yeah. If, that, if, that, if that brunch buffet is not A-rated by the by the health inspector, mm-hmm. I'm out of there. So these are, these are things I care about. No, those were the days. <laughs> so yeah, Tampa, to your point, I guess so, Tampa okay. gets it. They kind of specialize Never mind. in things like that. I guess that. If, you're on a, if you're on a bay, I guess yeah. it's just kind of intrinsic. Listen, I think you could also probably find a strip club anywhere. Hey, evidently, according to a Reddit report, a lot of research went into it. The best strip clubs in America, based on James Harden's road performance, yeah. are in Salt Lake City. Shocking. Yeah. Again, the, if you look at the road records against teams who play L.A., especially, especially the Lakers, especially the Heat, there is a demonstrable home field advantage in those mm. cities, not stadiums. Speaking of the Heat, the Celtics beat the Heat 102-82 last night in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 4. That series is tied at two apiece. And since we're all kind of down in the dumps today yeah. and we're feeling a certain type of way, I thought, why not use this portion of the show to bring a little levity to us? Let's get some laughs from our buddies from inside the NBA. Chuck, Kenny, Shaq, Ernie. Chuck, just with an all-time series of comments last night, Randy, mm-hmm. that I know you of all people will appreciate. I know some women got mustaches. I'm from Alabama. Trust me. I, I, as as, as we digress into, into I know. As, as we Try digress it. into his dating in Alabama, <laughs> the women with mustaches. Yeah. But as he grew up, <laughs> we. I, I, I'm never going to discount. You know, that's when air was invented. Yeah. He ran out of mustaches down in Alabama. <laughs> I was not aware of that. Not aware of that either. That's a great piece of trivia. Though. Not a great way. That's a new one, Chuck. Here we go. That's a new one. Oh, San Antonio, Alabama. Ernie brings the shit back. Hey, you're, come on. You're at the Antonio, Alabama. But I'm never going to discount that that has been there. The toothbrush was invented. Hey, let him talk. Tuscaloosa. All the women were one tooth. That's how they came up with the toothbrush. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to hear it. No, he doesn't. Look at this guy's walking off. He doesn't want to hear it. See, when you're the women in Tuscaloosa got one tooth. (laughs) That's how they came up with the toothbrush. You know, instead of the teeth brush. They didn't, they, they didn't have teeth brush in Tuscaloosa. They had toothbrush. Now he's got me joining in. Huh? I think I think now would be a really good time. 
the toothbrush invented in Tuscaloosa because so many women only have one tooth. Shaq was laughing so hard he got up and walked off set. That's great. It is the best show on TV and it's not even close. Hilarious. And I just love that they can go off the rails like that and it's still and still somehow find a way to bring it back and give you good NBA analysis. It's that's what it's all about right there is to have fun but still provide good information. No doubt. And finally, Randy, I wanted to bring it back to the game last night. A lot of uh, stuff has been made nationally about the racist comments and threats that were levied against Nadzim Kadri after Game 3 and the collision with Jordan Bennington. And listen to this quote from Eric Johnson after the game. I just want to say how proud we are of Nas to go through all of that crap the last couple days. No person should have to go through that. And he sure responded. I felt so good for him. Imagine being in his situation. No human being should have to receive that type of treatment especially with a hockey game. It's just insane. That being said, I think he liked being the villain tonight. I don't think there's any doubt that Nazem Kadri likes being the villain. If if he didn't like being the villain, his continued indiscretions would stop. Correct. So, yeah, he, he likes being in that situation. He likes, and Marshan's the same way. Mm-hmm. Matt Cook was the same way. We've had a bunch of guys like that in the NHL. Sean Avery, same way. We, we've had a, a lot of people that are really easy to dislike, to despise. And if you despise them, that makes them despicable, right? Absolutely. And that's what Nazem Kadri is, and he enjoys it. He does. And I hate that because of his terrible actions in Game 3 and then the response from some terrible people, mm-hmm. that now he's getting sympathy from people. And he shouldn't have to endure that, threats or racist comments. Of course not. But it's just so frustrating to watch someone who had a suspect and controversial play now receive all of the sympathy and empathy nationally. And by the way, have him watch him have so much success and handle the blues last night. Yeah. And by the way, he, he played in Toronto for a long time. Why is it that St. Louis is the only place that remembers that he did stuff to people. I don't know. But he he was saying last night that he needed some fuel and that he was upset with Craig Berube's comments and that Craig Berube gave him bulletin board material. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Craig Berube was just speaking facts. Look at his reputation. Everybody has access to Google. I don't understand why it's just here in St. Louis or Craig Berube or some of the Blues players that have to point out this guy's history. What did I say before the series? That he goes out to injure people. That's who he is. That's who he's been in the NHL. Can't help himself. It's not a revelation. And Barry Melrose and people like that, it's like they are they have completely forgotten what his history is. Yeah, it's surprising. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up next, we're gonna head down the stretch and stick around because we have a an absolutely stunning, absolutely stunning cardinal statistic for you. Next Ooh. on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and uh, we have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Cardinals take on the Brewers Friday night at Bush. You know, 2022 marks the 40th anniversary of the Cardinals' 1982 World Championship team, and Friday night, 25,000 fans age 16 or older will take home a 1982-inspired baseball t-shirt featuring the roster of that World Championship team. Get all the details on this Friday's 1982-inspired baseball t-shirt giveaway for Cardinals versus Brewers now at cardinals.com slash promotion. The MVP of that World Series was Daryl Porter, number 15. Texter, number 15, that gets this question correct, gets the tickets. And the question is, before the season, 
and we talked about it on this very show, Michelle and I gave our Cardinal MVPs. Mine was Paul Goldschmidt. Who did Michelle pick as the Cardinals MVP for 2022 before the season started? If you can answer that question correctly and be texture number 15, you will win the tickets to the Cards and Brewers on Friday night. It was not Paul Goldschmidt that I chose. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Michelle, here's an interesting note that I have. I was actually stunned by it. We talk a lot about the Cardinals being a feast or famine team, right? They played 25 games in which they've scored four or more runs, and in those games, they're 20 and 5. Cardinals have played 17 games where they've scored three or less, and they're 4 and 13 in those games. They've scored seven games of their 44, 24, 34, I'm sorry, 42. Seven of their 42 games, uh, they've scored nine or more runs. Here is the stunner to me. Okay. In all of baseball, all of Major League Baseball, the Dodgers lead with 5.54 runs per game. Your St. Louis Cardinals are second in runs per game. What? At 4.93. That is shocking. Third is San Francisco at 4.9. That's all of Major League Baseball. The Angels, how about the Angels at 4.81, the Yankees at 4.74, the Cardinals at 4.93 runs a game, the Yankees are at 4.74 runs a game. That is, I'm shocked. Isn't that stunning? That is stunning, especially because we've seen the pendulum swing both ways. Mm-hmm. And granted, they have had some football scores thrown up there. That helps with that average. But still, I would not expect them to be in the top five. I would never have dreamed that, that that's that that's the case. So that's good. And hey, hopefully they can be more consistent because we've had the 18 and the 15. You've had uh, yeah. six games with 10 or more and sure. then seven games with nine or more runs. But it shows, A, that they're capable, and B, think of what they could do if people were hitting. Because got nothing out of O'Neal, basically. Mm -hmm. Harrison Bader hasn't had the greatest year. Carlson's been better before he got hurt. Uh, Arenado and Goldie have been fine, but the middle, and Edmund's been good, but nothing from DeYoung, very little from Yachty. There are people that can produce at a higher level for the Cardinals to get their offense to be even better. Yeah, we still haven't seen them all click consistently. No, it's really, really good. Uh, I also wanted to make sure that we heard from Janet. Matthew, can we get oh, Janet yes, up? Oh, yes, always want to hear from uh, Janet. Janet uh, obviously was uh, weighing in on the hockey game last night, and she left us a mic drop. Here's Janet. The Avalanche could never have beat us, our team if Bennington would have stayed in goal. He was the key. He was the trigger. They knew it, and they took him out on purpose. That's what I think. I'm with you, Janet. He was the key. Yeah, he he was the the heart and soul. And I really appreciate the approach and belief of Jamal Mayers. And his question is right. Is what was your intent Mm -hmm. in diving for that puck towards the goalie? What were you hoping to accomplish there? Yeah, that's a great question. And all of the Blues players that have spoken about it, because some of them said no comment, I don't want to get into it, but Mm -hmm. the ones that have made comments said, trust us, every player in that position knows what that guy's doing. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And so he, he, Kadri, has taken charge of the series. Hey, he had a hat trick last night. And ultimately, that's what the Blues need to do is they've taken care of McKinnon. They've taken care of McCarr. They've pretty much taken care of Taves. Uh, You you had the empty, empty netter last night. Uh, by the captain, Landeskog. But at the end of the day, the MVP, if you have an MVP of this series, it is Nazem Kadri, is it not? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And if you're the Blues and you're clearly frustrated with him and angry mm-hmm. at him, you can't let him be the reason that you get eliminated. 
I know that last night and game three, I mean, he might have already determined that. He might mm-hmm. already, no matter what happens in the next game, be the reason that they're eliminated. But I expect the Blues to go out swinging. I don't expect them to come Not into... Not a stick, but just like in a boxing no, parlance. No, 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 Randy, with the stick. I expect them to come out in game five with their backs against the wall and have a, a strong response. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have won four in a row all of a sudden after losing those three or four in New York. They've won four straight. Michelle, we've talked a lot, and we will as the season unfolds, about how the Cardinals need to dominate teams like the Pirates, like they did. And the other thing you have to do is against the good teams, and you've got Milwaukee for four this weekend, but when you're playing a team like Toronto, you've got to split with them. And maybe the Cardinals, that they're going to need to salvage some wins from games they should have won earlier in the season. Maybe that's what you get today. Hopefully Jordan Hicks can turn in a performance that will allow the Cardinals to have a chance to win in the later innings. Absolutely. I'm interested to see what we see out of Jordan Hicks today. I'm pulling up the schedule, Randy, too, because it was great that the Cardinals handled Pittsburgh sweeping them over the weekend, and they're going to need to continue to do that, to beat up on NL Central teams that they're clearly better mm-hmm. than. But you you win an important game last night versus Toronto. You have another game versus them today. Then you see Milwaukee and San Diego, and then you have five versus the Cubs. And depending on what happens with these two series versus the Brewers and the Padres, you really need to make sure to take care of business versus the Chicago Cubs. And as you mentioned yesterday, it is a rivalry, but you have better players than they do. And even with the injuries that the Cardinals have incurred, they have to, you said it best, you got to take care of business against the Cubs. Get get her done. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about that. So the Cardinals, 645 tonight. Danny Mack will have the call on Bally Sports. And uh, we are going to be back at it tomorrow morning. By the way, did we get a winner yet, big boy? We're working on a winner, huh? Working on getting the name right now. Okay, we, oh, have, nice. we have our we have our winner. They uh, great job by the uh, by the textures. They, they they got that one in quick. And Michelle, and you were MVP before the season started. Was my prediction was that Tyler O'Neill would be the team MVP. Could still happen. Definitely could. Yeah, he had a great second half last year. But uh, up to this point in the season, I think your pick of Goldie was more sound. Yeah, O'Neal, as Mo would say, not great. Not great. Great job by our producer engineer today, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. We have a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax. Michelle, this is fun under the circumstances. I was going to say, we made the best of it. Yeah. So, and yeah, we'll have more fun tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. And is this the year you plan to sell that home? Well, before you do anything, you need to call the only agent that we would trust to sell our home, and that's Gloria Lou. Here's why. Yeah, Randy, we love Gloria Lou. You need to call her because if you need to sell, she already has your buyers. Thousands of ready buyers and her exclusive buyers and waiting program. These buyers create higher demand, which means more money for you. And that's how Gloria is able to sell your home at your agreed to price or she's going to buy it herself and that's guaranteed in writing. If you want to sell fast and for the highest price, well, Gloria can present multiple cash offers that eliminates the hassles of selling with no showings and you pick the closing date. Either way, you're in total control and you sell on your terms with Gloria Lou. She sold that house on San Luis drive in Fenton and she did it in just one weekend because she already had the buyers. She listed the home, brought in multiple offers immediately. The sellers were shocked. The house sold for $12,000 over list price because Gloria knows how to create demand. It's pretty incredible. What you need to do is get in touch with our friend Gloria Lou at 314-325-6888. That's 314-325-6888 or simply visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.